I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. We are facing a dire situation. This week on KSL Plus. We are trying everything we can think of to maintain normal quality of care, and it's not enough. Let me mention again, it is not enough. Hospitals across the country and here in Utah are facing a crisis. It's been so hard already. And non-COVID patients are often paying the price. Every week that's wasted is just really scary to know how much longer his body can hold out. I'm Matt Rascone, and this is KSL Plus. Earlier this month, news outlets reported an Alabama man died from a cardiac emergency after his family says he was turned away from 43 hospital ICUs because they didn't have either the beds or the staff to take care of him. And a veteran in Texas who served two tours in Afghanistan died from highly treatable gallstones after his family said he waited hours for a hospital bed at a Houston VA hospital. And the crisis is here in Utah. I'm extremely worried that each of you who's watching this has a friend or a family member who's going to be in a car wreck or a bike accident or develop an overwhelming infection completely unrelated to COVID. And we're not going to have the capacity to take care of them. Two weeks ago, Intermountain Healthcare, one of the state's largest healthcare providers, announced it was putting a pause on all non-emergency surgeries because the organization doesn't have the room or the staff to take care of people. Our epidemiologic projections suggest that we're not even at the worst part yet. As of this week, Intermountain is now performing outpatient procedures and taking inpatient procedures on a case-by-case basis, most often depending on the urgency of the procedure and the hospital's patient census. Yeah, yeah. Paul's my husband and we have three kids. My colleague Brittany Tate spoke with one woman who worries the surgery delays will mean her husband may miss the one perfect kidney match. If you'll just maybe explain a little bit about what you're going through, because right now you're literally up against a wall with this delay in surgeries. Yeah, so we found out about his kidney failure in December, so it's been about nine months. And um, he was, like, immediately in stage five kidney failure when we found out there was no, like warning period or anything he just needed to start dialysis right away and and um, get on the list for a kidney transplant so (laughs) our life kind of fell apart for 
a while and um, it's been a really long process of just getting him on dialysis and then going through the whole process of applying to get a transplant and seeing if he's eligible and then having all the wonderful amazing people who applied to donate to him see if they could donate and they're very very selective which is good about who they let donate and so it's been a slow process and um, we like all his brothers and sisters were taken off pretty much right away and so that was discouraging because usually your siblings are your best option and um, we have some amazing other family and friends that applied and and um, our neighbor and best friend ended up being the one who got accepted and we just found out in August that he made it through all of the things that he has to pass to be eligible. They're very strict about making sure the donor is healthy enough and that they would be okay to donate themselves because obviously we would never want to have someone else go through something like that if they couldn't handle it. And um, yeah, so he found out in August that he was approved. But um, he wasn't a great match for Paul. Like, he could donate a kidney, but they weren't a great match together, even though they have the same blood type. And so um, they decided to put them on the National Kidney Registry, which is um, a national list for everyone who needs a kidney and who can give a kidney. All of their information is in there. And they start the search for someone who would be a perfect match which is like they're measuring antibodies and HLA types and all this crazy medical stuff I somewhat understand now and um, epilets I don't even know what those are but they measure those <laughs> and, and um, to find a perfect match so um, that process they said would take like it could be like a couple weeks to a couple months once they put them in there. And um, so they put them in there last Friday after like a month of finding out he could do it. And it was a month till they could put him in there. And so they put him in last Friday, which is really exciting. But then um, we got that call that it would have to be delayed and originally they had decided to take patients off of the registry altogether just because they knew that even if they got an offer they couldn't do the surgery right away but um through talking with them and uh sharing our story a little bit they they decided to put everyone back on the registry which is really great but um um just having to take it day by day and week by week of if someone finds a match if they would actually be able to do that surgery or not so yeah that's a lot it's a lot to adjust as a young mom it's a lot to take on through a pandemic how are you holding up through all of this um (laughs) Uh, it just depends on the day. I've had like 
multiple emotional meltdowns and um, I just have to like I get to a place where I feel okay and then the next stressful thing stressful news comes and you kind of just have to reset again and reset your patient's tolerance and um, keep going and yeah, my husband honestly handles it a lot better than I do. <laughs> He's really positive, which is really annoying sometimes. And <laughs> just like, could you just get mad? This sucks. Like, this is the worst situation of our lives. And we shouldn't have to deal with this when we're we're both in our 30s and have young kids. Like, we never imagined we'd be dealing with this at such a young age. And, uh, you know... <laughs> So, yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> I cry a lot. <laughs> but um, just try to be present and take it day by day. And it's just hard knowing that there's still just, like, such this hard thing laying ahead of us still. Like, dialysis is really hard. He has to do it every night. And, you know, it's in our bed and in our room, and it's weird, and it sucks. And... Um, yeah, so it's all been a lot just to process, take in, and then there's still, you know, the biggest part ahead of us of the actual transplant and all that that entails, and, and, yeah, him being immunocompromised in the middle of a pandemic is definitely hard in addition to it all, so... when you heard the announcement on Friday or whenever it trickled down to you that it wouldn't even be an option to move forward with the surgery. How did you react to that? What went through your mind? I was just really, really angry. Um, It's been so hard already. And um, (laughs) the process for a live donor originally, we were told would take something like two to six months, which was back in January. So we're already well past our uh, time frame we had in mind and we're hoping for. And then we got to a place where maybe there was a little hope and someone finally got approved and maybe this could be over. And um, so that was really, really hard. We've done so much hard work to get to where we are right now. And um, it's hard when something out of your control is affecting that. And it's just scary because it's already taken so long already. And he's at 5% kidney function right now, which is nothing. And so every week that's wasted is just really scary to know how much longer his body can hold out. So I was really mad. I screamed and swore a lot. And, um, you know, I understand the hard situation that Intermountain is in. No one 
wants to have to make those horrible decisions and they shouldn't have to be made you know in the um press conference that they gave on Saturday on Friday I listened to that and you know they said they'd never imagined having to ration medical care in America and that's what's happening and it's not just happening for um like people who need who want plastic surgery or like need a tonsillectomy like those are things that are needed but can wait and um but it's happening for life-threatening surgeries and really urgent surgeries that can't wait and that's the hardest part that is so hard it's it's absolutely incredible because i'm hearing and maybe you're hearing a similar um timeline but i'm hearing like three to four weeks that they're going to postpone and then at that point reconnect and see where they can go from here that's a long time especially when like you said you were taking it day to day so are you simply holding your breath how are you going to get through the next three weeks yeah well we did talk with um the director of the transplant center today and yesterday she called us on a Sunday and had her story had somehow reached her and so it was really comforting to have her reach out and um, they did say that they do hope that for those um, that tier 3B surgeries like surgeries that have been recommended to not be postponed but are having to be postponed they do hope that hopefully in the next week or two they can open it up for those surgeries is what she said but um they just don't know (laughs) I certainly hope so I hope so if indeed that light opens, that window opens, um, and this is something that where you can move forward in the next week or so. How soon do you think the transplant would actually be able to happen? Are, are, is everything set in place where it's it's ready to go if indeed you get the green light? No, so they're on the National Kidney Registry right now and searching for, they're doing a paired exchange, and so they'll find a perfect match for my husband and then a perfect match for his donor to give to and so with his blood type they estimate that search would take about two months on average or something it could be a couple weeks and it just depends who's in the registry at that time and so it already takes time for that to happen and with them getting placed back on the registry now that is very helpful that they can at least keep looking during this time and um you know handle the logistics of that but if one were to be found right now they would not we'd have to pass up that kidney which is (laughs) heart-wrenching and so I just really hope it doesn't that. I guess my my last question and then anything else that you would like to add is what is it like the pandemic has been so difficult on everyone in different ways but your situation is unique and uniquely hard in the fact that 
uh, you have little kids at home and then you have a husband with an unexpected life-threatening medical health problem now. And so what is it that gets you through? What is it that, that maybe you have been able to cling to or hope to cling to in the next couple of weeks to get through this? We have an amazing support system and really great friends and neighbors and family. And his best friend is the one that's giving his kidney to us. And so it really helps to be surrounded by amazing people and just a lot of prayer and distraction, honestly, (laughs) of just distracting myself because it's so hard to just sit and wait for that call and now with this delay on top of that to wonder if something would have been able to happen that's now not able to and so just have to have a lot of patience and faith that they're doing the best they can and they know and understand how urgent it is and they care just as much and hopefully hopefully it'll all just work out (laughs) my husband at the very beginning of all this he was like lots of people have trials no one's immune and this is just ours and it's really not that bad I'm like what (laughs) it's pretty bad though (laughs) we have three young kids and and uh, it's definitely not anything I ever imagined happening to us so is there anything else you want to say you've been fantastic I appreciate your time yeah I don't mean to like spread this story as an attack on IHC at all I you know I they're in just as hard a situation as we are and they don't want it any more than we do and it's just as hard for them to have to deny medical care to people that's the oath they've taken and they're not being able to uphold that which so I know that it's a very hard hard call and a very hard situation they're in and very hard decisions are having to be made and it's just really unfortunate that um, it could there's a chance it could be avoided and it's really hard that, um, I don't know, I feel inhumane kind of saying this, I don't know, but like decisions like this shouldn't have to be made at all, but they are having to be made. And it's hard that, um, like priority is being given, is having to be given to those who have decided not to seek available medical help and it could be avoided when there's people that need transplants like my husband who've been doing everything they can to preserve their health that's hard to stomach (laughs) people are you know entitled to their own decisions and their opinions but those decisions are affecting so many other people who don't have a choice and are at the mercy of that and so that's really I just hope we can spread awareness of how other people are 
being affected by the situation in ways that they can't control. This is an issue that oftentimes we hear it's presented as personal choice, right? To vaccinate or to not vaccinate. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is there is a trickle-down effect and um, there is a big impact on the public, especially regardless of whether you have been vaccinated or you haven't, there are people who are not able to seek and receive the medical care that they need because of what we're dealing with. And that's hard. That's really tricky. Yeah, yeah. So I don't believe people are doing it to harm other people, but that's the situation we're now in. The family told us this week they are still waiting to see if they will be considered for the surgery should a matched kidney become available. Intermountain said it would delay surgeries for about three weeks. We have about one week left now, and they will reevaluate then. That does it for us this week here on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone, and we'll see you again next week. 